and gentlemen, it's time for Coffee and KOs. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Coffee and KOs podcast. This is your host, Zach, and I am with uh, my buddy, Steve. And we have a special guest uh, of MMA Empire, Cody Davis. Thank you for joining us, Cody. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So, we got a big card this weekend. Last pay-per-view of 2020. Um, Shaping up to be pretty good. I mean, like we were talking about before the show started... There has been a lot of fights just uh, canceled through, and I think what was the what was supposed to be the headline of this of this card? Was that supposed to be Usman Burns? I think so. Yeah, I think Usman yeah, was supposed so. to fight. Yeah, so I mean that that would have made this card much much better. Just imagine that fight on this card. I mean, this card's already good, but I feel like that would have been that would have been like really potential card of the year. Um, wasn't uh, wasn't Nunez on it as well at one point? Yeah, I believe so. Like this was like a stacked card. Like there was multiple title fights on this card. Obviously, Moreno and Figueredo was not entitled to be here. But then you know Figueredo's dominance two weeks ago made him insert himself here, and you know I'm excited about it though. I think it'll be a great fight. Um, just a quick kind of just go over last week really quick. Um, there wasn't really much. I mean, it was a good card, but um, you know the one Matt Wyman that slam Jordan Levitt. 22 seconds, that slam, absolutely filthy. Matt Wyman has since been cut from the UFC, which I tweeted about. I knew that was going to happen, especially with the cuts going on. I think we all knew that, that one, he's old. He hasn't been doing well since he's come back from that long layoff. And uh, so he's out of the UFC. But Jordan Levitt, I love this man. I love this man. He is he is the most unique man in the UFC. And uh, he's violent, dude. That slam was filthy. Uh, so I was, I was that, that fight, that fight for me was like one of the best fights and it was only 22 seconds just cause that slam was unreal. Yeah. That, and like, you don't see that often at all, but like he literally picked him up and had him like, he's like, okay, where am I going to put him down? He's looking around. He just like walks around with him. And then like, he kind of like tosses him up a little bit and like puts his like arm against his neck and just slams him down and I, I don't know if I've ever seen a, a knockout like that before but that, for it to happen in the first 22 seconds I mean no one was expecting that and I think that was his he won the Dana White Contender Series right and then uh, that's his UFC debut but now you know he's 8-0 and this guy's uh, pretty legit he's, he's really fun to watch and like you said he's a very very interesting guy yeah, <laughs> the pure dancing. strength yeah go ahead Cody no, I was just saying, like, pure strength is always a fun thing to watch. And, like, whenever it's a slam KO, it's just, it's one of those YouTube holy shit moments. Like, you can't yeah. not like it. Yeah, and, and he framed it just perfect. I mean, framed him off and just, I mean, it was scary for Wyman. I mean, he was, he didn't move, like, he wasn't moving. Obviously, was in the cage for a while before uh, exiting. But, yeah, Levitt, the dirty dancing at the end, the the split. I mean, dude, this is awesome. Like, I, I love all the tweets that come along with it, too. It is hilarious. I look forward to this man fighting again because he's young. Like, I think he's only, like, 24, 25. He's still very young. Yeah. And he 8-0, impressive 8-0. He's a, he's a wrestler. We haven't even seen him strike yet because his wrestling is super, super, like, high level. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a big takeaway for me. Um, Delizze, uh, moved to eight and zero. that was a good fight. Um, the, Can we the, talk about that for a second. Go ahead. Yeah. The, the judges scorecard on that, how oh. one of the judges who also scored the Felder fight against RDA for Felder gave 20, it was 29, 28 for John Allen in that fight. And everyone was just like, it was another one of those moments where like your jaw dropped. Cause you were like, dude, like, what are you watching <laughs> at, at what point? Like, the first two rounds are just so clear cut. Yeah, he won the third round in my opinion, but I don't I just don't understand how you could score him to win that fight. Yeah, I was yeah. watching the highlights. I didn't get a chance to watch it live, but I was watching the highlights of it and then I read on Wikipedia that it was a split decision and I'm like, wait, what? Like Yeah, yeah that that was unreal. Yeah, the, the UFC needs to yeah. Go no go ahead, go ahead. 
No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I keep cutting you off, man. Like, you know, it's new to Skype. But, no, I was about to say, like, just a broad point. The UFC, like, needs to figure out, like, a clear, streamlined way to judge fights and, like, say, hey, like, this is how the judges are going to score the fights so we don't have those, you know, GSP Hendricks, you know, uh, Max Holloway Volk debates, controversies that we have that we just talked about earlier. It's, you know, it's, it's not a huge problem, but I think moving forward, the UFC needs to kind of put that on their to-do list. Yeah, and I think another thing, too, is so I, the guy's name is Chris Lee, and he literally is the one that scored the Felder fight the wrong way against RDA, and he scored this wrong. Just fire him, maybe? Yeah. Like, that. it's obviously he's just seeing something completely different, so maybe you just get rid of him. And they're also saying it might be a good idea to get uh, judges who have fought before so they know kind of more how to score it and what to look for. So that could be another thing to kind of boost the scores or the judging a little bit. Well, Chris Lee is a boxing ref, so that's all he looks for is boxing. There you go. And, yeah. and uh, you know, obviously, Delides was was dominant on the ground the entire fight. Yeah. Um, but Allen did have the better exchanges on the feet. Um, that's what they were saying on the broadcast. I honestly didn't think so. I still think Delides looked better on the feet too. Um, so, but yeah, Chris Lee is a boxing boxing ref. But the problem is they're state sanctioned, so it's not like Dana White doesn't really have a say who's judging. It's it's the state and the athletic commissions that that make those calls. Same with the refs. Um, you know, I know that Dana had pulled strings to make sure Mario Yamasaki never refed again in the UFC. But as far as like the, I don't know, like all the whole process to get those guys out of you know out of the judging and everything else. That's more of like a state um, issue. But yeah, I agree. That was ridiculous. And I'm a Paul Felder guy and the fact that I could have seen maybe one round, maybe, like, and that's me being a Paul Felder fan, maybe one round going to Felder. And to, the fact that you had Felder even winning the fight is mind-boggling. And again, but, but Felder had the better exchanges on the feet. So if that's all he's looking for, it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense because it's not boxing. Um, but yeah, so that fight was, I mean, it was a good fight. But I think that the, the overall scoring kind of overtook whatever happened in the fight because people were like, what the hell just happened? Um, Benitez-Janes, that was a crazy fight. That knee, the knee, to, did you guys see that? The knee to the body? Oh, my yeah. God, right on the rib cage. That was nasty. Yeah, the, the Benitez, you know, it was actually a very back-and-forth fight. Like, they were both landing pretty solid exchanges. Um, but then, like, at one point, Benitez just started landing more and more. And then Janes kind of, like, went in for maybe the takedown or a clinch and Benitez just caught him like in the upper chest and he just like kind of like caved down like he was not going to get back up but they they likened it to um basically like when you play football if you like land on a football it just like knocks the wind out of you and that's like kind of the damage it did to him so I think he was just like immobile for like a minute And then we, uh, so we actually had three fighters move to eight and zero on this card because Jamal Hill actually moved to eight and zero two against uh, OSP, which you know we said this in last week's show. You never know what OSP you're gonna get, and this was an OSP that was gassed by round two, and was just you know Jamal Hill was kind of just feeling him out for round one, and you know halfway, little over halfway through round two, he just started pouring it on, and you know. OSP's defense is awful. Like he's a guy that's he's fights he fights off his back foot looking for the counter strike to put you away. And uh, you know, Jamal Hill just put the pressure on him, was super fresh and and uh, OSP just had no answer for the combos that Hill was throwing. And I'm an OSP fan. I have been for a long time and I always thought OSP really the sky was the limit for him, but he just it's just a never cons- it's never a consistent thing with him. It's either he comes out and looks like a world beater or he comes out and looks terrible. And I didn't think he looked awful in round, round one, but I really think that was more attributed to Jamal Hill kind of just feeling him out. I don't really know if that was OSP really having an advantage. I just think Jamal Hill was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to let him kind of gas himself out round one, and then round two I'm going to pour it on. And that, that's the way that I saw it. And Jamal Hill, I said this for his last two fights, the dude's a problem. His striking is super, super good. He just needs to get those stupid tattoos on his chest fixed, and he'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was disappointing. I thought there was actually some real value in OSP. He came in as a, an underdog yet again against a newcomer. So I, I thought, you know, based on his fight against Alonzo Menafield, he was going to be able to do the same thing. And uh, he played it very cool, very nonchalant, but it was like way too cool and way too nonchalant to the point where Jamal Hill was just landing at will at one point. And um, he's a tremendous boxer. He has a lot of power. He had a lot of accuracy. 
OSP had no answers going into that second round. So um, looking forward to Jamal Hill. He looks legit. Yeah, it's it's the classic age versus newcomer, you know, scenario. Um, you know, we we've seen years ago Roy McDonald just annihilate BJ Penn. We're kind of seeing it now with these older fighters, just not being able to keep up with the training regimen these younger guys do. Like I pegged Jamal Hill to knock him out pretty quickly, and like you said, he just kind of sized him up and let him let OSP gas himself out, which I think is impressive in a way. Like that shows he's a good student of the game, and I think he could be the real deal. Um, you know, I, I love OSP, too. I grew up watching him, but unfortunately, I think, you know, that he could be out of the UFC pretty soon just because of his age. I think he's going to be part of the, one of those cuts. He'll probably be I one, of, the, one yeah. of the 60 or whatever they said, guys. I, it's just, it's because, like, he does, he, he looks like he could be a good gatekeeper. He'll never fight for a belt, but he looks like he could be a gatekeeper. But is he, though, when, because you don't know what you're going to get. Like, the Menafield performance was great, but then you come out and then you look, he just looked bad. Like, he just, he fights with his chin straight up in the air, and Jamal Hill was just tagging him the whole time. He just had no answer. And, you know, Jamal Hill, only eight fights, looks so good. Like, I think that, honestly, he gets, you know, 12, 15, 20 fights under his belt. I really, like, I would love to see how he's going to evolve. I think, especially where the light heavyweight division is at right now, like, I really think if he keeps evolving, like, he's got a good shot. I would love to see him and Dom Reyes. I feel like they're both kind of, I mean, it's not going to happen now, but I think down the line, like, I really think both of those guys are strikers. That's what they live on, and I think that that would be a great fight. Yeah, two years from now, I think we're going to look at Jamal Hill as potentially one of the best fighters in the promotion. I know that's a that's a big prediction, but his trajectory is you know looking like it. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he just moved into number fifteen at this point. So you know now you're going to start getting more elite competition. We're going to see where he's at. Hopefully, they don't kind of push him too quick. Yeah, I like when they kind of work fighters up a little bit. Um, so hopefully he plays it smart and doesn't get too cocky and then we'll see where he's at in a year or two. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree guys. And then the last fight, this was a great fight, man. I, I loved it. Uh, I, no, it wasn't. Don't lie. It wasn't a great fight. You don't think I'm it was a good so fight? <laughs> it, no, it is. I just, I'm, I'm a huge Jack Herbinson fan. Same, and I, I, and that Same. fight, uh, that fight shocked me. I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, but I jokingly did a poll. It's like who you got tonight, like Herbinson by KO or Herbinson by submission. Yeah, like, I did see it. I, you know, I gave, you know, Vittori no respect and, you know, props to him for pulling it out, but yeah, not, not a fun fight for me. <laughs> Dude, I, I was so sad. I, I'm also a huge Jack Hermanson fan. And when he went down in round one, dude, that was so heartbreaking to watch. And I was so pumped though, that he was still able to, to, to just survive. I don't know how Vittori didn't go for the, the ground and pound finish on that one, but, um, dude, credit to Jack Hermanson round three, when he like just came out and just he won that round outright, in my opinion. And I was like, this is going to turn into something. He could, you know, steal the next three rounds and win this fight. Um, Vittori did step up and did what he had to do. But I still just think in another another world, like, Hermanson wins that fight. And I, I wish we could just, like, run that one back real quick because I, I, that's going to set him back just a little bit. See, I wasn't I – wasn't super impressed with Vittori because I know I knew Vittori I like Hermanson too but I knew Vittori is is this good of a fighter I mean like there aren't many guys that you see that want it as bad as Marvin Vittori and like I know he talks a lot of shit on Twitter and that that drives me nuts like I can't stand that a lot of times but the guy wants it so bad and like he is willing to live like there are a few guys I feel like that are willing to die in the octagon and he is a guy that is like you can tell by the way that he trains and the way that he talks and the way that he fights, like he wanted it. And for me, like I'm not a huge Vittori fan, but I, he kind of grew on me in that fight because like you said, Steve round three, he looked done. Like I was thoroughly convinced that rounds three, four and five were going after round three. I was convinced rounds four and five. Hermanson was going to run away with it because mm -hmm. Vittori looked done. He looked exhausted. He looked like he had no answer. Hermanson was starting to put together some good combinations um, and he was looking really, really good. And I was like, man, Vittori's going to get tired. Hermanson's going to get this to the ground. And I don't know if he had enough stamina to, to finish a submission, but he, like, I was thinking that he was going to be able to keep the fight at least on the ground and control it for the rest of the, those rounds. And Vittori dug deep and he did what he had to do to, to secure rounds four and five. And really round three was the only one that Hermanson won in my opinion. 
And so that kind of grew on me a little bit because that's inspiring. Like you see a guy that, in my opinion, I feel like most fighters probably would have been done after round three. They're, they were throwing tons of volume. It was it was a great fight back and forth. Um, and it was super smart by Vittori, I feel like, not to try to finish Hermanson. Obviously, Hermanson was surviving, and we know how dangerous he is on the ground. They're still semi-fresh. Who's to say Vittori doesn't go in and try to finish the fight, and Hermanson catches him in, in a heel hook? Like, something crazy and, and win the fight. So, to me, like, that's great fight IQ by, by Vittori. You can tell he's coached super, super well. He's very disciplined. And uh, I, I still think Hermanson belongs in the top top five. Like, I still think that he is... He is that good, um, and I would not mind seeing this fight again because I think you always the second time around. It's it's always interesting to see, like, because both guys are obviously going to make adjustments. But um, you know, Vittori just wanted a fight. He's been lobbying for a ton of different people on Twitter, and he's just wanted a fight. He finally got one, and he showed up. He took it on short notice. He's been training forever, so I don't really. It's not like short short notice for me, but. Still, I mean, you get the opponent opponent kind of last minute, and you you do what you got to do. And he was he was very impressive to me. I did like Hermanson, but um, you know, obviously, I think Marvin Vittori the the trajectory for him is super super high as well. Yeah, and one other thing I wanted to say about Vittori that I was impressed with was his ability to one stuff the takedowns from Hermanson, but two when when Hermanson actually was able to get a takedown and tried to work his submission game, Vittori just shut that down as well. So, and that's kind of what Hermanson was doing. Like he was trying to strike for a little while and then he was like, okay, I got to switch up my game plan, try to go for the submission. And Vittori just did an outstanding job to never be in an uncomfortable situation. And I think that's what uh, really did it for him. Cause then when he forced Hermanson to strike for the most part, he was, um, you know, he was out striking him and he was landing with just stronger, more powerful, effective strikes. So he just did an outstanding job, uh, deserves the top five ranking. That's a big jump up for him. So I, I guess we'll see where, where that takes him. But uh, he's going to be facing a lot of good competition. Might be Darren Till next. That's, that's what it sounds like. That's who he wants, too. And I love yeah. that fight. I love that fight. Anything else to wrap that uh, wrap last week's card up, boys, before we move on to news? Um, watch out for Ilya Teporia. He's Dude, nasty. Dude, yes. He is nasty. That body shot? Unreal. Crippled him. He's so good. Yeah, yeah, I, that was he. He's gonna be something special, and he's a wrestler, and his striking was phenomenal. Like that was insane. Yep, wrestler submission guy, but uh, he he's looked very good striking in his first two fights. Yeah, I agree. Good call on that one, Cody. Anything? No, I think that covered it for that one. Awesome, Steve. Take us to news. All right, a little bit of news here. So good news. Um, if you were upset about Shamayev and Leon Edwards getting canceled, it got rebooked. They're going to fight January 20th, 2021 on Fight Island. So that one's back in the works. Um, I don't know. I, I know we've talked about this fight before, but Cody, what did you think about, you know, Shamayev kind of just completely jumping the ranks and getting Leon Edwards? And who do you see kind of coming out on top there? Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I haven't really gotten a chance to look at that one, so I can't give a full, like, in-depth opinion. But I've been crazy at work this week. But um, it's a fight I'm looking forward to seeing, and, you know, we'll see what happens. I think Leon might have the edge, but, you know, I, I want to do a bit more homework before I, like, make an official prediction. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one because you still don't know what you're getting out of Shamayev. But mm -hmm. Leon, he's a legit guy. I, I don't think... I don't really know where to, to go with it, to be completely honest, but I'm, I'm excited to watch it, that's for sure. That's a hard one to make a pick for because Gerald Mearshart and Leon Edwards are worlds apart when it comes to fighting. Like, the competition that Shemaev has manhandled is so much, you know, different than what Leon Edwards is going to bring. Like, Leon Edwards is obviously a top-five guy for a reason. So, like, I think that that's why it's so hard to make a pick because... Yeah, Shemaev has dominated these guys, and Gerald Mearshart is his biggest name, but put Gerald Mearshart versus Leon Edwards, and Leon e Edwards destroys him. So it's like it's really hard to, to make a pick on that fight because Shemaev just doesn't have the names to really be like, okay, he can definitely you know destroy Leon Edwards. It's just I'm not saying he can't. I just it's so hard to make a pick because and we haven't seen Leon Edwards fight in how long too. So that's another thing. Like we don't even know what you know is he gonna have ring rust? Like I'm not a True. I don't know if I believe that that much, but 
I mean, it could happen, and I just so I don't know. That is a definitely one that I would steer clear of uh, making any bets on. Yeah, I just think you know we talk about the levels game. You know, Shamayev was at like level one, kind of jumped to level two with Mirshar. Now he's jumping to like level five against a top three ranked opponent. So we'll see where the levels game brings it. Um, next up, we just kind of I just brought it up, but Vittori jumped to number five. But within that same like change, Darren Till actually moved up two spots to number four, which is what kind of sparked, I think, Vittori to be a little angry and just called out Darren Till. But I don't know what you guys thought about that. I thought it was kind of kind of funny to see someone move up in front of Vittori when he didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think with these rankings, I think what a lot of people go, they think about when they rank them is we're going to put one and two together head-to-head, who's going to win? If we put four and five together, who's going to win? I think I'd probably pick Till over Vittori by coin flip right now. So I don't have a problem with the ranking itself. But that said, I think it's also a strategic ranking so that, that this fight does happen. So That's also yeah. true. Yeah. I also I also think you got to look, like if I was making ranking, rankings, I'm looking at who who have these people be and, you know, like, like if you look at the names on Darren Till's resume versus the names on Vittori's resume, and then if you look at if you take any stock into Till's loss to Whitaker, which was a great fight, you know to me like he showed he belonged kind of in that top three, four, you know in my opinion. So um, you know not too often do you lose a fight and kind of gain some value, but I feel like he gained value in that division by that fight with that fight with Whitaker because he showed. You know, he had moments in that fight where I feel like if it wasn't for Whitaker's chin, that fight would have been over. I mean, he hit Whitaker with a couple good, good, good shots. So, I to me, like I feel like not often you get you get you know praise with a loss, but I feel like he kind of inserted himself into that the top guys with that fight against Whitaker. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, any person fighting Darren. Like that's a tough matchup for anyone, especially Vittori, who is an aggressive fighter. And you go against a counter-striker like Darren Till, kind of have to change up your game plan a little bit. But I would assume he would probably go to the wrestling if it did go to that. Um, but that would be a great fight. And hopefully they'll make that one. Um, so obviously we saw Yoel Romero got cut. Supposedly there's going to be, you know, 60-some fighters that are going to be cut. Are, are you guys kind of, like, how do you feel about, like, seeing these older guys who have been around forever who might not even necessarily deserve to be cut, but they are? Like, Yoel Romero still has a great record, has still fought elite competition, and they just kind of gave him the axe. Yeah, I mean, I think from a business perspective, it's probably the right thing to do, and I I definitely don't have a problem with them, like, downgrading guys like Yoel Romero or, like, Junior Dos Santos or, you know, older guys that have kind of slipping off. But, you know, not too long ago, Yoel Romero was, like, fighting for the championship. So, yeah, like, just giving the axe so quickly, I think, was, you know, kind of ridiculous a little bit. I, I, I can't help but think it's a little bit of ageism. You know, you just look at him and you see age 43. So maybe that's what Dana White and his guys were thinking. But, you know, I mean, he's still got a good uh, fight in him, I think. I think he could still pull out a couple wins if he has a matchup well. But... I got to say, overall, I I don't have a huge problem with it. I know that there's a lot of politics with matchmaking and these rankings with UFC and who gets cut and who doesn't. And if it makes the promotion more money or it's the right thing to do from a marketing standpoint, I think it's the right call. And I know a lot of purists will strongly disagree, but the sport is so young. It is COVID, and you got to do what is going to be best for your business moving forward. But that said, I am not really happy about the Yo Romero getting the axe. I think he kind of shot himself in the foot with the Izzy fight. I think, you know, they, they gave him that opportunity, that chance, and he just kind of squandered it completely. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, someone like that who's such a huge draw, he's going to demand a great amount of money. And is it really worth it at that point if he's going to go out for the for the belt and not do anything with it? So yeah. I, I guess I could see it. Yeah, it's also Izzy, though. Like, like I think Izzy's on par to be one of the greatest ever. So, I, I yeah. mean, it's not like he was fighting, you know you know, another champion who was new and didn't have Izzy's, you know, resume, but I I don't hate the cuts. People are making a huge deal about the cuts. Think about the dead weight. Like how many fighters on a, on a card do you not recognize? Like, think about it. Like how many, how many, how many fighters on a card, like regularly, like we could probably look at this card coming up this week and on the prelims, you're probably like, who the hell is that guy? And he might be 32, 33 years old. Like there's so much dead weight 
that people like these guys are going to get cut and okay, Yoel Romero. Yes, I don't typically agree with that either. I still think that he had fight left in him. I do think the Izzy fight did not raise his stock any. I think that really did hurt him. But like him, I could see them keeping around. But like occasionally there's going to be a guy like like Anderson Silva that gets cut. But let's be honest, how many more Anderson Silva fights did we want to see? I mean, we didn't. I mean, he was he's been over the hump for a long time. He's been over the hill. I mean, he's he's not he's not the same guy. And uh, you know, Chris Weidman I don't want to see Chris Weidman fight anymore. I mean, it's. I think it's hysterical when he gets knocked out because he talks so much trash on Twitter. But like, he's he's done. And so that that's my thing. Like, people are making a big deal about these cuts and oh, they should stop the contender series. They have they have the contender series has put out some ridiculous talent. Like Impa Kasagani, I think even though that knockout to Impa is bad or to Joaquin Buckley is bad, I still think he's a stud. Alex Perez just fought for a belt. I mean, they, there's guys coming off there that are are talented and are better than the guys that are getting cut. Uh, you know, people are making such a huge deal out of this, but I just feel like, you know, first off, 60 fighters, like I feel like their roster is so big. We have guys fighting that I've never seen before every week. So I feel like they can cut 60 guys pretty quick and we wouldn't even know three quarters of them, to be honest. I, out of all the names that have been cut so far, which let's say that it's been around 15, how many of those do you even know? Yoel Romero, Anderson Silva, Matt Wyman three like it's and people are freaking out it's i don't know i i don't like like cody said from a business standpoint it makes sense you can't pay everyone and at this point the younger talent is coming in and the younger talent is better aside from yoel romero is better than probably most of the guys that they're cutting so yeah no i agree i agree and uh it'll definitely you know if you're if you make the cut that's going to drive you a little bit. For some of these people who are kind of hanging on the edge, it'll give them a little bit of extra motivation. Um, the only last thing I had, we don't even need to get into it at all. I thought it'd be fun. But Logan Paul is going to take on Floyd Mayweather. Th- these gimmick fights are just garbage. I hate all of them. And the fact that they charge money for a pay-per-view to watch it is even worse. Um, just wanted to hear your guys' can, take on that. Can Floyd Mayweather... Him. Can Floyd Mayweather fight both of those clowns on one night and put a rest to this all? Can he just knock them both out in one day and then we can just stop <laughs> talking about the Paul brothers? Yeah, I love when boxing fans say that they're sports superior to MMA and then this shit happens. Like, you know, like, and I like watching, I actually like watching Mayweather fights typically. Like, I like his defensive wizardry and I thought Mayweather McGregor was a good fight. But, I, I, I mean,. It's just a joke. I, I appreciate on one hand, like I did kind of like how they brought Tyson back for like a money grab during COVID, you know, get people, get eyeballs on TV, but th- this is just ridiculous. Yeah, I thought, well, I even thought, uh, you know, the Tyson, Tyson looked okay. You yeah. know, like they actually looked pretty good. He looked great for 54, off. bro. They're he actual fighters. Yeah. yeah, he's actually <laughs> trained professional athletes, yeah. not just. Logan Paul, who's 0-1 versus KSI, who's a YouTuber, and he's fighting one of the best to ever do it. Like, how? How did that happen? So, wait, he lost to KSI? Yeah, I believe Logan Paul lost to KSI. And then, I don't know, I I get confused between the two Paul brothers, but Jake, I believe, is actually pretty good. Not, like, from a professional standpoint. Like, he actually just looks fundamentally okay. I don't know where Logan Paul's at, but good luck against Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Well, he knocked out. He, well, Jake just knocked out Nate Robinson, an NBA player. So, like, yeah. it, it's one of those things where it's like, well, it's amateur versus amateur. Like, yeah, but right. I mean, yeah. Jake Paul trains every day boxing. Nate Robinson trained for six months. Like, I mean, yeah. it's, right. it's it's there's a hu- there was a huge disadvantage there. And anyone that was taking Nate Robinson is just someone who hates Paul. Like, yeah, I don't like him either. But I mean. Come on, like if you actually put money on Nate Robinson, you're a clown because there's no way he was winning that fight. That knockout, though, yikes! That's <laughs> that was gonna, hysterical. Uh, that's gonna be a video for pretty much forever. Someone, someone tweeted because Nate Robinson said he was fighting for NBA players, and someone tweeted, "Hell no, he ain't fighting for us." <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. That was funny. Um, that's all I had for news. That's, I figured you, out. You missed the biggest that. one. Anthony what Rumble Johnson goes to Bellator. Oh, he doesn't even yeah, come back. I don't understand how he wasn't he just gonna sign with the UFC. I don't know what happened with that. I don't know like what happened. Like I, so, like in the NFL, right? If I played for the Bears, right, and I I retired, they would still own the rights to me. So if I ever decided to come back, 
I, I don't know how the UFC does it, but I was I didn't even think that he could go anywhere else. Like I was just under the assumption that he was coming back to the UFC. I didn't realize like he was a free agent and could go anywhere. I was so surprised by that. And God, yeah. Corey Anderson's got to be pissed because he was in line for the belt and Rumble's going to come back and. Dude, Rumble's a scary guy. His his kryptonite was John Jones and DC, two of the greatest to ever do it. I think that he's gonna go to Bellator and be a champ within like two fights. Yeah, he hasn't fought in a while though, has he? No, his last fight oh, he lost yeah. to DC and he retired yeah, he, that day. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, so it will be interesting. But yeah, I totally agree. He's gonna just blow through him like it's nobody's business. I think, but I I, I want to know why he chose Bellator over UFC. Like, what's the draw? Dana White just came out, too, and was saying that he still believes Anthony Johnson wants to fight in the UFC. So there must have been some weird behind-the-scenes thing. Maybe Anthony Johnson saw a better opportunity. I don't know. Maybe he wants to like just kind of like get in the octagon, and he knows he can go through Bellator pretty easily and just wants to right. get a rhythm. Yeah, I mean, depending on how many. Maybe he only signed like a three-, four-fight deal. He'll do three-, four fights and then take the jump yeah. over and finish his career in the UFC. I don't know, but I, I don't watch Bellator typically. It's not, I don't know. I, I, I can't get excited. I'm always been a UFC guy, so I have a hard time getting hyped for their, their fights, but I'll definitely tune in to, to his fights. I've always been a rumble fan. So, but I was a little upset. I was excited. I was starting to look at matchups for him and where he could go. And I mean, I'll be honest. I think the light heavyweight division has some killers in it that are coming up. So I think it would be a little difficult because he is a little bit of a shorter guy. Um, but I was looking forward to it, so but we'll see what happens. I just I was uh, I was definitely thrown off by it though. That's it for news. Yeah, that's all I got. Unless uh, you got something else. No, I'm good, Cody. No, nope, not from my end. Covered it all. Alrighty, so we move on to UFC 256, Figueredo versus Moreno. Um, let's be honest though, guys, are we, are we more excited for Figueredo versus Moreno? Or are we really kind of banking on Ferguson Oliveira here? Uh, that and all of like the other fights too, honestly, yeah. I think every fight here is just like stacked. Oh, Cody looks like he's frozen here. He yeah. He's frozen it. on my, my, he might have too. to leave and come back. But, um, yeah, no, this card is, is stacked. We got, you know, Goodness, the, the freaking prelims are nasty. You got Chase Hooper and um, Peter Barrett, our guy Peter Barrett. Then you got Tisha Torres. She's on the card. Gavin Tucker, Billy Q, he's, they're on the card. Moicano, Fazeev, they're on the card. Cub Swanson, Pineda, who Pineda had a nasty fight his last time out. Cyril Gain, JDS, Kevin Holland, Jacare Souza, Mackenzie Dern. Then you got Ferguson Oliveira. Is, the card is literally stacked. Now, granted, fingers crossed, nothing comes up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this card is, has the makings to be... I mean, it's a way to go out, to make 2020 go out with a bang, for sure. Yeah, just from the standpoint where we were thinking, you know, there was, like, so many main events that were getting canceled. We didn't really know what was going to happen. And then, all of a sudden, they put together this, like, magnificent card which is just, I'm super excited about it. It has a lot of, you know, prospects who are up and coming, who are trying to make a name for themselves, kind of namely like Mackenzie Dern, Kevin Holland, Cyril Ghana. Like all of them are looking to crack like the top 10 at this point. And then uh, you have a couple legends on there. Uh, Billy Q, that's my dude. Slippery Pete, we had him on the show. Like I'm super pumped to watch him fight a young Chase Hooper. So just all the way through, it's just, it's going to be an awesome card. I'm excited. Yeah, my internet crapped out while a few minutes ago before you guys got into Ferguson, but I don't think there's an MMA fan that's in the world that is not excited to see Ferguson fight. I I really don't know what to expect. I don't know if he's gonna if he shook off that loss to Gaethje or if that is still kinda haunting him. I I, I genuinely don't know and I'm really excited to see where he's at. Yeah, I don't know. From the reports I've been reading and the stuff that he's been saying, like he he said something like he doesn't feel like he's ever going to get a title shot again. Um, he doesn't know. Like, I don't know. He seems still triggered by the loss. I mean, and he got his ass kicked bad. Yeah. So, I mean, that was it, was it wasn't just like a loss. Like, it was a bad loss, um, which we've never seen Tony, Tony Ferguson in waters like that. I mean, that was insane. Um, but I'm, I mean, I think that's the fight that really I'm excited for the most out of all of them. I mean, like, like we said, the fights are crazy. By the way, um, um, Steve Hooper Barrett is on ESPN Plus. Oh well, then Dana White's a liar. 
<laughs> At least that's what ESPN says. So it says it's on ESPN Plus. Um, so that's the fight. Slippery Pete, like we said, that's our guy. We've had him on the show. I'll make sure. I'll be live streaming. I actually, last week, I started something different so you guys can check it out. During the fights on the main card, I'm going to live stream, not the not the video, but like my reaction, and I'll, I'll talk about it as the fight's going on. So you can come join us while, uh, or join me while I'm talking about it. But um, yeah, this card has the makings to be the best card in the in the in 2020. You know, kind of odd that we just did a video on best cards of 2020. But uh, so, but I think that this has the makings to be the best one. Cub Swanson's a guy I've been a huge fan of for a while. He's kind of getting older, kind of towards the tail end. And you got to look at this card, and there's some cut potential people on here. JDS possibly get cut if he loses this fight. Um, you have. Jacare Souza is getting older. I think that's. I think I don't think he'll get cut, but it's a name to think about. Um, Cub Swanson is getting older. Uh, you know, Daniel Pineda isn't old, but the dude's got forty fights. I mean, he's been on. He's been around for a while. So this is, I think that. And then you got the young talent too. So this fight is. I almost want to make picks for all the prelims too, because I feel like there's just so many, so many good fights on this card. It's insane. Yeah, I'm bummed Cub Swanson's on the main card. He's also been a favorite of mine. And, you know, I, I remember I think one of my first fights, like I actually like sat down and watched was him versus Dennis Seaver. And he, you know, he, he came out, he, is, he was explosive. He is a great student in the game. And I'll be real upset if he is one of these 60 that gets cut. Yeah, he, and he's a big fan favorite too. And he, he just had a, a solid win over Crow and Gracie too. I think a fight a lot of people thought Crow and Gracie was going to win. So for him to come off of that win... He's the underdog here. The Pineda fight's a little difficult, but I mean, if he wins this, puts together two in a row, that's not bad. Mm -hmm. He's kind of forming this like gatekeeper status, which I hate seeing my favorite fighters become gatekeepers. It really bothers me. But I mean, let's be honest, he's probably not going to fight for a belt anytime soon. So I'd rather him fight the upcoming guys and show that he's still a G. And I feel like Cub Swanson is still a G. I, I love the man. So and he's still one of the greatest fights ever. Him, Duho Choi, which I don't know where the hell Duho Choi has been, but that fight that actually just hit like a four-year anniversary or something like that, like two days ago. I saw it was all over Twitter. So um, that's a fight. If you guys have not seen, check it out. That fight was bananas, dude. It was crazy. All right. So do you want to do uh, just the the main card, or do you want to do all of them? Let's do let's do just the main card. But uh, I mean, God, there's so many good fights. So what's the scores anyway? I don't know what the, I don't know what our scores are currently. Ah, uh, man, I, I did not have a good week. I believe you are now within one. Let's go. I know. I gotta be a little safe with my picks. Today. I was like, I was like fifteen out, dude. I know this is wild, and there's only what like this card, and then maybe two more. Yeah. Um. No, I think there's only one more after this. Maybe there's oh, two. Man. There might be two. So, uh, all right, we'll go to the first fight here. We got JDS versus Cyril Gain. I, I think, you know, this is, I, I think that this is JDS's last fight in the UFC, win or lose. Um, I really, I, I mean, if he wins, it, it's going to lobby for him to stay a little bit, but we've seen what he's done against the top guys in that division. You know, he kind of went on a run, started facing the top guys. He don't have it anymore. You know, he just, I mean, he looked okay against Rosenstrike and then Rosenstrike poured it on him and that was it. Um, I know JDS obviously was a legend, is a legend, but uh, Cyril Gain, dude, six and zero, but a heavy favorite at four forty. A lot of hype behind him. Um, I'm gonna go Cyril Gain, and I'm gonna go. Uh, his wrestling is really good, but it's heavyweights. I'm gonna go TKO. I'm gonna say wrestle him down to the ground, some ground and pound. Give him a give him a TKO. Steve, I don't have carry with me. I don't know if you want to write them down or. Yeah, if, if I'll not, make I can my write pick. Down. No, that's okay. I'll make my pick and then I'll write it down. Um, but yeah, this is a, you know, everyone knows Junior Dos Santos. Like he was a former champ at one point, but he just hit that age and you just start to decline. You don't really know what he really has left in the tank. I thought he actually looked really solid in that first round against Rosenstrike. Um, but I mean, you get caught by Rosenstrike once, you're you're out. So that's what happened to him in round two. So now he's got three straight losses. They're all finishes within the first two rounds. And then in step Cyril Gon, who's newly ranked. He's number 14 right now. Uh, he had a solid win over Tanner Bozer. 
So that kind of, you know, you got to gauge where he's at. But he had a unanimous decision win over him, who's a solid Canadian fighter, right? Yep. Yep. So he's a, he's a prospect. Um, but I've been on Cyril Gaon for pretty much as soon as he stepped into the UFC. Uh, you can just tell the way, if you're a heavyweight and you can wrestle and you have a submission game and you have power, I mean, he's, he's got all those tools. Like, he can do it all. So um, I don't think JDS is going to have enough to stop him. But I think Cyril Ghana just kind of plays this one a little smarter so he doesn't get caught. So I have him by decision. Yeah, I got Cyril Ghana by TKO pretty handily. And, you know, on that note about Sandra Bozer, that opponent's nothing to sneeze at. Um, I haven't talked to him, but uh, Joel, my editor, has talked to a lot of guys in this training camp, and they all say he's going to be the next thing here coming soon. Maybe not a title contender, but he's a solid fighter. But apart from that, I, I don't know what Junior Dos Santos' problem has been these past few couple years. I, I don't know if it's a mental barrier and he's just been kind of phased over the past couple knockouts or if there's just something in his training regimen he's not doing and he's not preparing for. But I, I can't in good conscience pick Dos Santos by any metric in this fight. And I think he's going to get knocked out first, second round pretty easily. And I like it. That's not disrespectful to him. I think his trilogy against Kane was one of the best robberies in this sport, but I, I just think it's time. And I will be shocked if he's not in that 60 boost cut coming up. Yeah. That's a sad one to see, but yeah, you know, everyone just hits their, hits their time limit. So I, and I really think Cyril Ghana is like special. Like he'll be a top five guy for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't it kind of depressing to see like these guys just start going like JDS? Like they're just drop. They're gonna start dropping like flies. But in a way, I'm grateful because I am so sick of seeing guys hang around too long. I I just that drives yeah. me nuts. Like, you know, I understand it. Like I understand when you've done something your entire life and it's so hard to. It's almost <laughs> this is gonna sound bad, but like. Think about people that have been in prison their entire life, right? And then when they come out of prison, they don't know what to do with themselves because they've, they're only accustomed to one thing their entire life. And, you know, you think about fighters, like they've done this their whole entire life. It's, it's something that they've done to change their life. Most of them have had hardships and, you know, this is what changed their life. And, and now, you know, you got Conor McGregor on one end where you have to pull teeth to get him to fight. And then you have guys like Anderson Silva that you have to pry them out of the cage and cut them so that they don't fight anymore. So it's crazy to see those two different sides. But it is sad. But as a fan, like, I don't want to see these guys. Like, it's almost sad to watch Anderson Silva go out the way he did. Like, I don't want to yeah. see him go out like that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not calling anybody out. But in a certain way, there is an air of disrespect to the legends like Jose Aldo, Anderson Silva. When you put them in fights, you know they can't win. Like, that, that Aldo loss to Jan was just brutal and how they just let the fight kind of go on until they had to pull Jan off him. And, 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 you know, Silva just can't stop anybody right now. And then you had, I think it was BJ Penn had just that long losing streak before they finally got rid of him. It's just, I know that they have that competitive drive in them and that's their nature to fight, but I, I think it's almost White, Dana White's responsibility to step in and say, hey, guys, like, you're either on a prelim card or you got to go. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, I, it sucks, but, I mean, all great things come to an end. And, unfortunately, you know, like, yeah. why, why why, why, cripple yourself? Just, you know, go out on top and or whatever and, and be done with it. Um, then we move on to Kevin Holland, Jacare Souza. I'm excited for this fight because this is really going to kind of, you know, we're going to know what Kevin Holland is about. Like, he's obviously put on really impressive performances. He's kind of done it all. You know, he's got the submission game. He can do that. He's good on the feet. Um, and he's been very active in 2020. Like he's really been like, if you look at 2020, I think you have to look at Kevin Holland as one of the, probably like the the fighters that have obviously been the most active, but really has, have jumped, like made a huge jump, you know, at, you know, first fight in 2020, people are probably like, eh, who's Kevin Holland. And now, you know, at the end of 2020, we know who Kevin Holland is. So I'm excited for this fight. It's going to be really tough. Um, you know, I don't know how well he matches up with Souza. And Souza kind of reminds me of OSP. Like, he always puts on a better fight than OSP, but you never know what you're going to get. Like, Souza sometimes looks unbeatable, and then other times he just kind of, kind of, it's like the big fights. He just, he kind of crumbles in them. Um, I don't know if this is considered a huge fight for him, but um, super close odds, Holland being minus 105, Souza being minus 115. I don't see, I don't see Souza being finished in this fight. I'm going to go with Holland. I'm going to go by decision. 
Yeah, I yeah. got Holland by decision too, and I, I really wanted to pick Souza, but you know, again, like the age, he's forty-one. He hasn't fought in over a year. Meanwhile, Kevin Holland's four and zero in just in twenty twenty. And typically, I kind of, if they have a quick turnaround time from a fight, I kind of wonder, well, are they set to go? Are they still exhausted? But I think in Kevin Holland's case, he's just in a rhythm, and he's not going to be put out of it until someone in their prime is going to knock him out. So I, I think. As much as I really want to take Sosa, I got to play it safe and pick Holland by decision. Yeah, actually, I think it's kind of strange that they have Sosa as the uh, as the favorite here, but really? they do. He's a slight favorite. He's minus one fifteen. It's minus one hundred five for Holland. Um, but yeah, Jacare Sosa, like he's just another legend of the game. And I was actually, I thought it was pretty interesting. He's never fought for a title. Which I no. thought was uh It's because every time he gets close, he starts. He loses. He just doesn't. He, it's like, it's like the the big fight before the big fight. He crumbles. He can't. He doesn't. He doesn't ever get to that point. Yeah, he was uh, he so he was the strike force champ, and then he went into the UFC, won his first five in a row, did not get a title shot for some reason, but then he fought Yoel, lost to Yoel, and ever since then, he's been like kind of up and down since then. He's also changed uh, weight classes, like. Two, yeah. one or two, two or one or two times. Um, but yeah, I think another thing to point out here, which I think is kind of absurd, Kevin Holland has a nine-inch reach advantage. Nine inches, like he has an eighty-one-inch reach in general. That's just massive. Uh, Souza has a seventy-two-inch reach, but I just think you know Holland. He's just going to be a better striker. He might not necessarily have the the advantage on the ground because I know Souza is a really, really good submission artist. Um, but if I think if he plays this smart, I think if he gets a little too excited, that's where he's going to lose. But if he plays this smart like he should, I think he won't have a problem. So I'll, I'll go with Kevin Holland, and I'll go decision too. He's got a nine-inch reach advantage, and Vegas has him as the underdog? I, I don't – yeah. Like yeah that's uh, the house. That's wow. The house. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not making that bet. <laughs> All right, Steve, no, you – Go ahead, yeah, Steve. I'll, I'll go. Now I was gonna say, but then when Sozo like knocks him out, you're gonna be like, "Oh, that's why." Exactly. Yeah. They know something. They always know something. You can um, take us to the next fight because I ain't gonna even try yeah. to pronounce this girl's name. So it's Verna Andoroba, I believe. That's and pretty then good. Mackenzie Dern. So th- there's really not much to go off of here. It's literally they're both just very, very, very elite at Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, Mackenzie Dern has fought like a hundred fights outside of the UFC in like grappling tournaments. Like she's probably, she could be the best grappler in the UFC period. Like it's pretty insane. Um, but Honda Roba, like she also has 13 wins by submission. So I'm always curious to see like what happens when you have the two people who have the same exact style go against each other. I think Mackenzie Dern would have the advantage as the striker. And I'm actually going to – I think she's going to not go for the submission, but I think she's going to try to outstrike her in this. That's what I'm kind of going with. So I'll, I'll go Mackenzie Dern by decision. Go ahead, Cody. You can go next. I'll go last on this one. Yeah, I, I went back and forth on this because I was uh, um, doing a preview of this fight for MMA Empire. And I'm going to go with Dern um, for reasons you just said, Steve. But also she's younger and has a lot more competition under her belt. So I think, you know, she's got the youth and the experience on her side. So, you know, if she does, if she is able to outstrike her opponent, I I mean, I don't see how she'll lose. So, you know, I don't have any strong feelings on it. I think it's going to be an incredibly fun fight to watch. But um, I think think her grappling experience will carry the day. This reminds me of when uh, Ben Askren fought Demi and Maya. And oh, then yeah. when, it, when it went to the ground, it was just kind of like a chess match. And, I mean, Demi Amaya obviously won that fight. But I, I kind of see it either going that way or kind of like the Colby-Usman fight where they actually decided not to go to the ground. They just both struck. So, I don't know. We'll see what we get. If this fight stays standing, Dern has the win. So, Andoroba, I don't know if that's how you say it, but um, she actually lost to Carla Esparza uh, two fights ago, three fights ago. Um, but she has, she actually subbed Fleece Herrig who, you know, can strike a little bit. I'm actually going to go with Honda Roba and I'm going to go by submission. I know that Mackenzie Dern is hard to submit, but both women have elite, you know, wrestling or BJJ. And, uh, I don't know. She would, that, that 
I remember the sub against Felice Harrigan. It was nasty, and it was really fast. It was like a minute 40 into the first round. Um, so I, that was on uh, Mia Chich Cormier 2 or 3 um, this, this earlier this year. So I was kind of impressed by her, and you know I like her record, sixteen and one in the in MMA. You know she has a lot of MMA, more MMA experience than Dern. Um, also, I want to catch up to Steve, so I'm going to go on to Robo by submission. That's fair. I mean, that's gonna it's gonna be a fun matchup. I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, do you know if we're gonna get a scary carry this weekend or no? We will not get a scary carry this weekend. Thank God. <laughs> All right, so we go to the co-main, the one that I think most of us are looking... Like, why Why does the title fight have to be the main event? Like, why can't they just... Like, it's okay. Like, we all know, like, Davison Figueroa is great, but we all know that we're looking forward to Ferguson, Dubronx, Oliveira. And Steve and I have been lobbying for Dubronx for a while now um, because I just feel like this man hasn't gotten the respect. I understand he's lost... Um, you know, he went on some, some skids, but I, I do believe in fighters getting hot and I feel like he is a guy that is hot. Um, ton of performance bonuses. I used to have the stats. I don't know exactly how many, I think it was like eight of his last nine were performance bonuses or, or, and he's got a ton of finishes. Um, I will say that his competition has not been like his wins aren't like eye popping wins, but a win's a win. And I think that I do think that he's going to pose some problems to Tony. Like I, I'm going with Tony in this fight. Um, I'm going to go Tony, and I'm actually going to go by decision. I don't know if I see either one of these guys getting finished. Tony is Tony to me, unless he's he's caught in some choke and gets choked out or like his arm broken. I don't see him submitting at all, and I don't see him getting knocked out. Um, he fought Justin Gaethje and wore every punch he had, so I don't see Ferguson losing, um, you know, by stoppage in any way. And Oliveira to me is also tough. You know, he's a tough guy. And I think that Ferguson is very good at using his, his reach and, uh, you know, range. He has a two and a half inch reach advantage. Um, he's obviously a very good striker and he's got good takedown defense and he can take him down himself. So I'm interested. I love Tony. I, my biggest thing is, and Cody had said it earlier is how is he going to bounce back? If he bounced back, if he bounces back fine, I think that he's going to win, win this fight by decision. If he doesn't, Oliveira is dangerous. You know, Oliveira obviously on the ground is a killer. He might be one of the best grapplers the UFC has, but his striking has kind of come alive too over his uh, this stretch. So um, super exciting fight. I won't be upset either way. I'll be happy if Tony wins. I'll be happy if, if Dubronx wins because I really like both guys. Um, but I'm going to go Ferguson. I'm going to go by decision. Uh, Cody, you want to go second? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I also got Ferguson by decision. And... I, I think um, I, I wrote in the preview for MMA, MMA Empire that his boxing experience, and I think his reach are going to be the carry deciding factor in the slugfest. I think it's going to be a war. Wouldn't be surprised if it's split split decision. Sorry. But, um, you know, I think there is something about Oliveira that I think should concern Tony. And, again, I, I don't know if Tony's still rattled from that loss to Gaethje, I think. Maybe he's mentally not all there, but if he is, then I think Tony should squeak out the win. And on top of all that, I think Tony Ferguson's cardio is one of the best in the promotion. And I, I always really think a, a fighter like that who can go five full rounds and not be tired really has a big advantage over someone else that can get gassed. So all of the on-paper advantages go to Tony, but for some reason, I just think it's going to be really close down to the wire. Oliveira might scare Tony or might shock him with a with a combo or two, but you know if Tony can keep him down on the ground and control the fight and maybe even get a few ground and pound combos in for two rounds, I think we have a decision win. Yeah, I mean this this is the fight that everyone needs to be five rounds. Um, kind of stinks that we're only getting the three rounds out of it. Yeah. So that's why you know the cardio might not matter as much in this fight. Is kind of what I'm leaning on, and also I, I kind of do think that Tony's going to be still have like a call it maybe a little bit of PTSD from the from the Gaethje fight. Um, so I really like Oliveira to I don't know I, I kind of I like him just on the ground. I think if at some point it gets kind of tangled up, like I know Tony can kind of like roll around, and he actually actually has a solid submission game as well. I, I don't know if there's anyone really better at 
submitting than Oliveira. So I think if it gets to that point, I actually think Oliveira would come out on top. Um, I, I do think Tony overall is the better fighter. I think he has the better skill set. Um, but I'm going to look for Oliveira to go for that submission. And I'm, I'm going to go with it. I'll go Charles Oliveira by submission. Good pick, yeah. I think I think Tony needs to push the pace in this fight. Otherwise, he's going to be in some major trouble. I think if he is able to control the tempo of the fight and kind of get himself settled in and just take it kind of methodically, I think he'll pull out with a unanimous decision. But like you said, if it does go to the ground, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Oliveira submits him. Yeah, that. but I think Zach makes a good point. Like, it literally takes everything you have to get him out of the octagon. Like, Gaethje was giving him everything, and he, for some reason, was just still standing up, taking shots. And I think it would be the same way if you're trying to submit him. Like, you got to really bring your A game and get him locked in, maybe like a rear naked choke or something, because he's not going to tap easily. So if you're going to go for it, you got to go all in. Well, and for me, like, if they get tangled up, like, to me, if he's going to get choked out, it would have to be a choke. Like, it would have to be something that knocks him out, like, unconscious. Because to me, Tony has crazy dexterity. And I think if you're trying to do, like, some sort of arm bar or heel, like, to me, he's very, very flexible. I don't know that that's going to do the trick. And I think that he's crafty enough to throw some, like, hammer fist or something if he has him in some janky submission. Tony isn't going to take that. So that's that's kind of where I lay with it. But I would not – if – if Oliveira won by submission, I would be surprised, but I wouldn't be surprised, if that makes sense. Like, I, I would be surprised because I think most people are leaning towards Tony in this fight, but I wouldn't be surprised because Oliveira is, you know, a 10 out of 10 when it comes to BJJ. I mean, he's he's crafty as hell. And again, his striking has been good, but I do agree with Cody. I think that Tony needs to push the pace in this fight. I think that if he stays back and kind of lets Oliveira kind of lead lead the way, I don't think it's going to work. It's going to uh favor him at all i think he needs to kind of he kind of needs to get in his face use the reach jab him to death and and uh and use his boxing i think that's his best way to victory and i think the odds here are very very accurate like they have ferguson as the favorite but he's not like a super big favorite like Oliver is still plus 140 which is like some pretty good value there but it's pretty close like it's not really that one-sided so i, I like how they have that there i think that's very accurate I 100% agree. And then we get to yeah. the main event. We got Davison Figueredo, Brendan Moreno, and I'm going to make this short and sweet, guys. Davison Figueredo. And I'm going to go, I'm going to actually go by submission again. Again. Um, listen, Brandon Moreno is very good in all facets of MMA, but Davison Figueredo is better than Brandon Moreno at every facet of MMA. Uh, he's a better striker, he's got more power. And what we've seen from him is the knockdown transition to a submission win. Like, I feel like that's, that's like patent for him. Like his striking is just super, is just very good. And, and uh, you know, he's Brendan Moreno does have the height advantage. He does have the reach advantage, but I honestly think Davison Figueredo might be the most unbeatable champ in the UFC. In my opinion, I think that he is that good. He is that dangerous. And uh, he's just a straight killer. I think Joseph Benavidez still might be better than Alex Perez and Brandon Moreno. And look what he did to him. I mean, he he beat him twice handedly, not even close. So um, yeah, Davidson Figueroa for me. And I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go by submission again. I feel like that's just what he's been doing. He's he's shown his ground game. He's. But if it's a KO, I wouldn't be surprised to me. Just Brandon Moreno is just a really tough guy. I think that he has a better shot at, at submitting him than knocking him out. Cody. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's it's very rare we see a champion who has momentum on his side, and I think Figueredo has exactly that. He's finished his last four fights; three of them have ended in the very first round. So I I think Brandon Moreno is a very good fighter, and I think he's got a lot of good fights after this matchup. But I just can't bet against Figueredo right now. Like I, I don't think anyone's taking the belt from anytime soon. So I mean, it's not a knock on Moreno; it's just you know. You know, Figueredo is just the guy, and I think in that in that division. So I got Figueredo by decision. I think it's going to be a very good fight um, with Figueredo pulling away as the clear fav- winner in rounds four and five. I think he'll control the uh, tempo. He, he's going to completely dominate that last round to you know probably a fifty forty five unanimous decision. But Moreno will give him a good run for his money, I think, early on. But if he doesn't, 
stun Figueredo with a combo in the first round, I, I think it's over. So I'm going to be on an island here again, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So I think, obviously, Figueredo, like we said, he's that five-star athlete, that five-star fighter. He has all the tools. He's going to be better in every category. I, I think one thing that I notice about Figueredo is sometimes he gets a little bit too cocky. I think he plays it a little bit too cool where like he knows that he's, he's much better and he can kind of turn it on whenever he wants to. Um, but I think that's going to provide a problem against Brandon Moreno, who's going to have a huge chip on his shoulder after getting snubbed to not get the title fight. So I think he's coming in off of a huge win over Roy Val. You know, he's going to have a little bit of momentum. Um, I think he has a good enough game everywhere. You know, he can strike, he can wrestle, he can grapple to the point where I think Figueredo is going to kind of like, I feel like he's already looking to the next guy. Like he's already looking at Cejudo being like, yeah, maybe after this I'll fight you. Like he's kind of forgetting that Moreno's like right in front of him. So I think Moreno, if he takes that, that moment and just can run with it and get a little bit of momentum, um, I could see him actually pulling this one out of the bag. So I'm going to go with Moreno and I'll go with decision. And what a what a comeback story that would be. Brendan Moreno cut by the UFC a few years back, comes back and has been an absolute animal since. So, um, you know, it would be a great story for him. I just don't see it happening. I just I really don't. I, Davison Figueredo is just he's an animal. And I I don't even know how I how I like Henry Cejudo against Davison Figueredo at this point. I think that that's his I think that's the best fight. Like I think that that's the closest we have a chance for, for the title switch hands. But I don't know, man. I just, Davison Figueroa right now is hot. I, I, and I, I don't know that anyone is, he's a train full steam ahead. And I don't know that anything's stopping it. Like he is on fire right now. Bro. He, he's shredded. Like yeah. at 125, like he is friggin' ripped. That's the biggest thing is him making the weight at 125. He has had a lot of trouble making the weight. He's, he's, I mean, he's done better as of late. But early on, he had a really hard time making weight, and uh, there were a few times. I think, I think one time he might have had a chance. It was against Benavidez, right? He had a shot to fight for the belt, but he didn't make weight. Yeah, it, well, the first fight they fought, like they actually did fight, and he was overweight, and uh, Figueroa still knocked him out. And then the next fight, he came in weight, and then knocked him out again, or submitted him. Sorry. Yeah, so that's the biggest. That's the biggest asterisk next to him is, you know, how long can he stay in this division for one and. And two, is he gonna? Can he make the weight? You know, um, especially after just coming off a fight two weeks ago. I don't know if that makes it easier or harder. I've never fought, but I don't. I don't know. So um, I would think it would typically make it easier, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. But I'm super. I'm looking forward to all the fights on this card. I think it's gonna be a great card. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, one last thing I wanted to say is, from a betting standpoint, I like two bets. I think, as we kind of mentioned earlier, getting Kevin Holland as an underdog. That's a great value bet. But also in the moreno Figueredo fight, the over two and a half rounds is plus money. And even if Figueredo wins this, I still think Moreno is smart enough and talented enough to kind of keep this going uh, versus like Perez didn't have the experience, so he just got choked out. But I think Moreno can actually push this to at least the third round. So I would take that plus money. Yeah, this whole card is kind of a tricky one to bet on because I, I can see it, I can see almost each fight going one way if you know X happens or if Y happens. Like, you know, if Tony doesn't push the pace, I think he's going to lose. But I'm picking Tony. Like Figueredo, I think is the clear cut winner. But if he gets stunned in the first round, I, I don't. You know, he, he hasn't gone a full fight in forever, so I wouldn't be surprised if round three, round four, maybe you know Moreno like pulls something out of his like out of his bag and. Is able to submit him somehow? I mean, I don't think it'll happen, but I could see it happening. So I'm not betting anything on this fight because I need to play it safe. But that uh that Moreno fight, I will say, Steve, is a little bit bold if uh um you're getting caught up here by your partner. <laughs> um and I chose Oliveira as well. I don't I don't know if that's gonna play out too well, but hey, you know, you gotta you gotta take a stand sometimes and just go with what you you believe in, right? Yeah, I respect it, yeah. Bet the house. All I have to say is bet the house on Slippery Pete. He's winning this fight. Yes. Plus 270. Listen, yeah. if you put 10 bucks down, you're getting $37 back. Come on. I mean, I, that to me is the lock. Like, that is a lock. Chase Hooper, way less experience. He didn't look great against uh, Alex Caceres. And uh, Slippery Pete, I mean, dude's a legend, dude. 
maybe not in the UFC, but outside of the UFC, he's a Boston legend, right, Steve? He yeah, Slippery Pete, man. God, if you're from these areas, you know who Slippery Pete is, and you got to tune into his fight. I know it's the early prelim. Hopefully, it's on ESPN Plus. I would like. Hopefully, we can get him some recognition. Like we need his name to be out there for when he does beat Chase Hooper. Um, as long as he stays away from that that submission game, I think he's going to be fine because they give no love to these veterans. No love. Yeah. Odds makers don't like veterans whatsoever. All right. Anything else for the good of the cause, fellas? I'm good. Nope, not for my end. This is going to be a very exciting fight card. I'm pumped. Same. All right, well, Cody, thank you for joining us on this show. We really appreciate it, guys. That's Cody Davis. You can find him at MMA Empire. Um, I'll put the link, uh, the URL, in our description for this show and on the the, um, Instagram page as well. So make sure you guys go show him some love and check that out as well. Cody, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Love to have you back on for more shows. Yeah, dude, totally. This is a lot of fun. All right, guys, listen, you guys can share everything and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically anywhere you can find a podcast, we're there. We also post clips on Instagram at Coffee and KOs One. Um, I'm pretty active on Twitter, Coffee and KOs One as well. Um, we do do snippets on uh, TikTok, Reels, we're everywhere. Um, and we're also going to be trying to post a little bit more into YouTube as well. Make sure you check it out. Please share. Give us a good rating. Comment on the stuff. I don't even care if you comment that you hate it. It makes me laugh anyway. So anyway, guys, thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you all again next week. (laughs) 